to invite Matt Balaka to come and deliver us the word of God. The passage this morning is uh, in Matthew 25, it's going to be verses 14 through 30, Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. This is the, the parable of the talents, and um, this parable in the section of Matthew is where our Lord is discussing His second coming. Uh, this parable comes after the parable of the ten virgins and before uh, the passage where Jesus discusses the final judgment where he will separate the sheep from the goats. Um, Matthew Henry says that where the parable of the ten virgins shows the necessity of preparation and expectancy with respect to the return of the Lord, this parable of the talents shows the necessity of actual diligence in our present work and service to him. So with that context in mind, let's Let's pray, and then we'll read our passage. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that you've given us your word. We're thankful that the Holy Spirit inspired this word, and as we have our Bibles open, we ask that your spirit would open our minds and our hearts, that we may receive, that we may receive your word, that we may respond properly to it. Um, we know that if your spirit is not working, then we will not benefit from this. But we also know that if your spirit is working, that we cannot help but to be benefited from your word. So please be present with us this morning. Do a work um, in our minds and our hearts that we may receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Matthew 25, starting at verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow 
and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Amen. This is God's word. So this parable starts off with, for it will be like a man going on a journey. The it is the same as in the previous parable, uh, verse 1 of chapter 25, the kingdom of heaven. So the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them with his property. The word for servant here um, is also rendered as bondservant. And the question is, what is a bondservant? Well, it's one who is bound to the service of his master, also known as a slave. Paul in the New Testament often refers to himself as a slave of Christ. Paul is bound to the service of Christ, his master, and so are the bondservants in this parable bound to the service of their master. So verse 14 tells us that the master entrusted his property to these servants. And verse 15 tells us that the master did not give the same amount to each servant, but rather that each was given an amount according to his own ability. I think it's important that we understand that that the fact that God does not give all the same gifts and in all the same measure to all of his people. God does not give all the same gifts in equal measure to all of his people. 1 Peter 4.10 tells us to be good stewards of God's varied grace. So what's the master in this parable actually giving his servants? Five talents, two talents, one talent. It's, it's interesting um, that the word that we now use as talent, which usually means a natural giftedness, has its origin um, from the biblical use of the word. But in the Bible and in this parable, the word talent meant something different. It meant something different than, than the way we normally use it, which is a natural giftedness. Um, the talent um, in, in the biblical days was a unit of currency, um, and it was worth about 20 years' wages for a laborer. Okay? So a talent was, uh, was a unit of, of currency that was worth about 20 years' wages for a laborer. And in our day, uh, trying to get a context and feel for what a talent is, um, with an annual salary of about $15,000, um, a talent would be worth about $300,000. Okay, so even the servant who got one talent was given a substantial amount of money. So the master distributes the talents to his three servants, and then the master goes away. The servant who had received the five talents and the servant who had received the two talents, they both reacted in the same way. 
the, these servants went at once, verse 16. Other translations there say that they went immediately. So obedience to the master by these two servants begins immediately. And I think it's interesting to recognize this truism that obedience is never easier to start later. So um, also there was a, there was a heresy that uh, developed probably a few decades ago um, that was known as the carnal Christian. Some of you may have heard of that and perhaps it's still apparent or around in, in our day. So the idea of the carnal Christian taught that someone could be a Christian and not have any kind of obedience to the Lord at all. That's the idea that you can have Jesus as Savior without having Him as Lord, or at least not having Him as Lord right away. You can have Him as Savior now, and then maybe the Lordship of Christ will kick in uh, at some later time. Well, faithful men uh, like R.C. Sproul, John MacArthur, and others, they... uh, they went to work on that heresy to expose it for, for what it was. Um, so anyway, the, these two faithful servants go immediately to trade with the money that they've been given, and they were busy in the work of investing the money and seeking to gain a profit. That was the idea. They were given this money by, this, by the master, and they were um, going to invest it, and they were seeking to gain a profit. And that wouldn't have been simple work, right? So... The, again, we, understanding how much a talent is, um, the, the first servant who was given five talents ba- based on the $15,000 annual salary, that's like $1.5 million in, in our day, and then $600,000 for, uh, for the servant who got two talents. So that's a lot of money to invest. And it's, I think if we're trying to climb into the sandals of these servants, I think it's fair to say that not every trade resulted in a profit. There, there would have been mistakes made here and there. There would have been um, profits made here and maybe losses made here. It would have, been, it, it would have went that way um, for people who were set to invest so much money. But I think, I think that they knew their master to be compassionate and understanding um, these servants knew, I think, that they served a good master. And I think that they understood that the master knew them well enough to know that they were not perfect servants. These servants were not perfect servants. So they were given the money and they were given the task of investing and there would have been, um, th- there would have been uh, some gains and some losses. But overall, through the, the trajectory of the long run, Um, they gained a profit. There was progress made. Over time, both servants doubled the money that they were given. But then the the third servant is spoken about in verse 18, and he dug in the ground and he hid his master's money. He didn't spend it on worldly living, okay? He, He didn't take the money from the master and go and squander it on worldly living. No, he wasn't that kind of person. He was given one talent, and he was going to preserve it, and he was going to hand it right back to his master. Nothing would be lost, but nothing would be profited either. No fruitful activity on the part of the third servant. And then after a long time passes, verse 19, the master returns 
to settle accounts with them. Now, that is a sobering thought, that the master comes back and it's time to settle accounts. Scripture tells us <clears throat> that, um, that we will all stand before Christ and give an account of our lives. Matthew 12, 36 tells us that we, will, um, that we will give an account for every idle word that we speak. Every, every idle, every careless word that we speak, we will give an account to Christ. And uh, the master returns then to settle accounts with his bondservants, and the one who had five talents came forward and said, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. This servant knows where the five talents came from that he had been busy about trading. He, he, he knows where the money came from. Um, and, and he presents his master's money back to him with the profit that he made. The servant doubled the money. Again, right, based on today's standard, that would be about $1.5 million profit. So, a, good, a good profit. And then, now this bond servant, this person who is who's bound, remember, to the service of his master, hears these words, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, can you, can you imagine that? Can you imagine the master saying that? Um, he says, you have been faithful over a little. Now, as I was preparing this, I thought to myself, um, $1.5 million once I did the math, and, and again, that's a conservative number, right? $15,000 annual is... is on the low side. So 1.5 million is a conservative um, uh, number to, to bring here. But as I thought about that, I thought, well, that's not a small amount. That's, that's not a little. <laughs> but the Lord considers it a little, right? Uh, the, the Lord considers $1.5 million a little. And, and then we might, you know, we might consider the poor woman who gave the two pennies that she had, we might consider that to be a little or insignificant, but to the Lord, that was a big deal, right? So, so it's weird. You, you, get, you get the idea that, you know, a, a day is like a thousand years in the Lord's eyes, and a thousand years is like a day. Uh, the, the way that the Lord views um, things that are great and, and that we consider great, sometimes those things are viewed as, as little, and sometimes we view things as being very little, and, and in the eyes of the Lord, um, they're a big deal. So even if we're given just a little, we know that faithfulness over a little, it does not go unnoticed by, by him. His eye is on the sparrow, and even the kindness, I'd say, of, a, of something as simple as a, as a passing smile to a stranger that does not go overlooked by, by God. So then we have the second servant. Um, this servant who was given two talents, he doubled his money as well. Uh, his total profit, though, would have been less than half of the first servant. Um, and yet, he hears the same words, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So, we, we have these wonderful words that are spoken by the master in this parable, and, and then there's this pause, I think, that might come to us because there are other passages of Scripture that, that say things that might make us have to do some type of harmonization, right? And the, 
one of the passages that I'm thinking of is Luke 17.10, which reads, So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, We are unworthy servants, or in the King James, we are unprofitable servants. We've only done what was our duty. So, which is it? Are we good and faithful servants, or are we unworthy servants? Well, um, I don't think it's that hard to harmonize these two if you take into consideration who is speaking in each of the passages. We say of ourselves, Luke 17, the passage I just read, we are unworthy servants who've only done our duty. That's what, that's what we say of ourselves. That's the attitude as bond servants to Christ. Remember, we are bound to our duties to him. But Christ says to us in, in, in our parable, well done, good and faithful servant. So even though we are duty bound to serve the Lord, the Lord yet commends our work and faithfulness to him. Okay, even though we are duty-bound to serve the Lord, the Lord yet commends our work and faithfulness to him. And so here, here may be a human analogy that might, that might help us. Um, imagine a husband and a wife uh, that each have certain duties to the family. Right? Let's say the husband works to provide income, for example, and the wife keep, keeps house. Is it unthinkable for the husband to commend his wife for doing the laundry? Is that unthinkable, right? Uh, his, his, the husband commends his wife for doing the laundry, which is part of, this is a duty, right? His duty is to, to bring the income. Her duty is to keep house, right? The, the wife might smile and respond, hey, just doing my job, right? Well, that, that's true, right? The, the wife is only doing her duty, right? One of her duties is to wash and fold the clothes. She's not going above and beyond her duties. She doesn't think of herself as super wife for getting the clothes done. But the husband, if he's a good husband, still commends his wife for her work. Okay? What, the husband sees that his full, that his Clothes are folded and washed, and he commends his wife. He thanks her. Not for doing something that's not part of what, what her duties are, but just for doing her duties. He, he commends her for that. And so we, we say of ourselves, we are unworthy servants only doing our duty, right? We, we are unworthy in the sense that we don't deserve to be bondservants of so great a master, we, we're unworthy in the sense that we don't, we don't deserve to be bondservants of Christ. We don't deserve that. We're unworthy of that. That's too great, that's too great for us, right? That we're not worthy to, to be that. But, but Christ, again, uh, responds to his faithful people with, with well done, good, good and faithful servant. And then we move on in our parable to the, the third servant. Uh, notice that he addresses his master as master, okay? Um, so you know, many, many will say, Lord, Lord, to Christ in the last day and will yet be rejected by him. Um, so just saying that Jesus is your Lord or your master 
doesn't necessarily make it true. Notice then that this third servant's attitude is also different than the others. I knew you to be a hard man, right? That's how how he's responding. This servant is afraid of his master. He doesn't have a relationship um, to the master, uh, one that would would understand that the master would would be compassionate toward him, would be understanding toward his weaknesses, again, with, with respect to giving this large sum of money to someone who's got to go out and trade, right? He, he's afraid. His attitude toward the master is one of fear. He's, he, he's I knew you to be a hard man, right? And then, and then the servant gives back his master every, every penny, just as he planned, right? He buried it, and he, he digs it up, and he says, here, have what is yours. He gives it all back. And the master replies and says, well, du- no, no, you wicked and slothful servant, or you, you wicked and lazy servant. He could have deposited his money in the bank and he would have gained a small interest on the money. Um, he, he may not have doubled the money in the bank, right? He wouldn't have, there, there wouldn't have been a doubling of the talent that he was given, but it would have returned some profit. And even a little progress, it appears, would have been recognized by the master. But no, he, he didn't do that. Um, the talent then is taken away from him and given to the one who had 10. So those who have will be given more, and those who don't have, even what they have will be taken. Those who are faithful servants will be given more, and those who are not faithful servants, even what they have will, will be taken from them. And then these words, cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This wicked and lazy servant is cast into hell. And that's how the parable ends. So maybe the first thing to address then is the ending of the parable. Don't we believe in the perseverance of the saints? How could a person be called a servant, given something, and then lost in the end? Well, R.C. Sproul talks about the parable of the ten virgins, the parable is just before this, as being about people in the church, in the visible church. And, and I think that this parable also is related to, to those, those of us who are in the visible church. So the question is, are there people in the church who have been given good things and are never faithful to Christ with the things that they've been given? Yeah, of course, right? There are wheat and tares in the visible church. And it'll, it'll remain this way until the end, until Christ finally separates the sheep from, from the goats. But what about the faithful servants, though? How do we apply this parable to ourselves to encourage diligent service to the Lord? Well, the first thing to mention is this. Before we hear anything about applying this parable in the service of the Lord, we need to consider the state of our own soul. So let, let, me, let me confess something, um, and those of you who know me may know this character flaw that I, that I have. I, I joke around too much. <laughs> I, I joke around too much, especially at home uh, with the kids. Um, I... I even when it's time to clean up, I'll joke around and I'll 
yell for them to, to hurry up, and in a joking way, they know I'm joking, and, um, and I'll yell that they're in trouble, right, and I'll come stomping around l- looking for them, and, and I'm joking, and they know that I'm joking, and sometimes that really burns me because sometimes I do need them to hurry up and clean up, <laughs> and they can't tell when I'm joking or being serious, right? Uh, but usually I can get their attention if I just stop and with a stern look, I, and I, I'm serious, clean up. Right, right, Adam? So, again, I, I've got this, I, I, I joke maybe when I shouldn't joke, and, and I want you guys to hear me. What, what I'm about to say now, I'm serious about this, okay? I'm serious about what I'm going to say now. Please, I, I'm, I'm dead serious about this. If you've not repented of your sin and put your faith in Christ alone for salvation, I urge you to do that immediately. Um, If you don't have the gospel settled in your mind and you want to skip over it in order to busy yourself with with church work or church stuff, then then that, that could lead you to hell. Don't bypass the gospel in order to busy yourself with, with church work. If, if you haven't repented of your sin and put your faith in Christ alone for salvation, you need to do so immediately. Come to the cross of Christ first before you attempt any kind of business in his kingdom. Remember, he, he does not accept the service of those who are still rebels to him. But if you have come to Christ savingly, and I pray that you all have, then listen to the application of this parable. I think the first thing that this parable serves to, for us is, is to humble us. Whatever gifts we have from the Lord, we must remember that these gifts are from the Lord. You didn't give yourself these gifts. Ephesians 4 tells us that when Christ ascended, he gave gifts to men. James 1 tells us that every good and perfect gift is from above. We need to remember that we didn't give these gifts to ourselves. 1 Corinthians 4 tells us, What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as though you did not receive it? What do you have, right, that you were not given? So every gift, every good thing is from the Lord. So, May this parable also stir then um, stir up in us a desire for diligent work and service to him. When our Lord gives us gifts, he gives them to us as our Lord. He doesn't give us gifts and then stop being our Lord as though we can do anything we want with them. Remember, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Christ, Matthew 28. He is Lord of all. So here's, here's a consideration for you. When the time comes that Christ settles accounts with us, will he only inquire about some of the gifts that he's given to us? When, when the time comes that the Lord settles accounts with us, is he only going to inquire about some of the gifts that he's given to us? Some, sometimes people live their lives as though um, part of their lives are lived in a secular, in a sacred way, and then part 
is, is secular, right? It's this idea, well, Sunday, that's the day that I go to church and I act like a Christian. And then Monday through Saturday, um, that's sort of, I'm doing my own thing, right? Well, that, again, this whole idea of, well, am I engaged in this activity over here? Is that part of the sacred activity? I'm singing hymns at church. Yeah, that's, that's part of me being a, this is sacred Christian activity. And then when I'm sitting down on the couch and I'm watching whatever I want to watch on TV, that's not, there's no sacred time there. That's just my couch. That's just me vegging out, doing what I like to do. Well, is, is Jesus Lord on Sunday and not Monday through Saturday? Of course not. Or consider maybe this financial example. Imagine a Christian who gives a proportionate percentage of his income to Christ's church. Is he free to do anything he wants with the rest of his money? Can he donate money to Planned Parenthood, some of the rest of it? Can he, is he free to do that? Can he do whatever he wants with the rest of his money so long as he's given a proportionate amount to the church? Is the rest of it his to do whatever he wants with? Of course not. So Jesus Christ is Lord of all. He's Lord not only of the church giving, he's, he's, Lord, he's Lord over all of our resources. He's Lord at church, at home, at school, at work. He's Lord when you're, when you're with your friends. He's Lord over your finances, your free time, your hobbies, your shopping. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. He's Lord over all the gifts that he's given to you. And so... Again, we ask, what should our response be to this? Well, remember, again, that the Lord gives various gifts to his people. That means that the gifts that I have may not be the same gifts that you have, right? And so to respond to this, we can start by, by prayerfully doing an inventory on all of the gifts that the Lord has given to you. Again, because God gives varied gifts, because one may have a gift in this area and not in this area, and the other may have a gift in this area and not in this area, we need to come before the Lord prayerfully and do an inventory on all of the things that the Lord has given us, all of the gifts that the Lord has given us. Our goal is to be faithful over all of the gifts that he's given to us, even, even the small things. So, and as as we find areas where we're not living as bondservants to Christ, we need to repent. We need to repent and ask God for the grace to cheerfully and joyfully submit to the lordship of Christ in, in all things. We as bondservants must be serious about our master's business. In the end, just think about this as I close, in the end, you won't have to give an answer to me for this. You're not going, I'm not going to come to you in the end and settle accounts with you. You won't have to answer to me, and, and I'm fully aware that in the end, the last day, I'm not going to have to answer to Pastor Brad <clears throat> for, for my use of, of the gifts. But we all must give an account to Christ for our lives. We all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and that is an appointment that that you're going to keep. That's going to happen. You are going to have a, a day where you're going to give an account to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I pray that the words that we hear are the precious words in this parable, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. 
I will set you over much. Enter, enter into the joy of your master. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to be called into your kingdom, and we know, Lord, that, that you have given all of us gifts. We pray that, that we would um, look into the gifts that you've given us, that, that we may see that, that the time, you've given us time, you've given us treasures, you've given us natural giftedness, you, you've given certain gifts to all of us. We pray that we would, that we would come to, to look and, and understand those gifts and see ourselves as, as bondservants to you. We, we know that it is, a, it is a joyful thing to be a bondservant to so great a master as our Lord Jesus Christ. Pray that you would do a work in our hearts that we may live in such a way that, that, that we respond properly and, and that we are faithful to what you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen.